0: You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office.
1: Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of NCBA's Beltway Beef Podcast. It's certainly been a couple of crazy days here in Washington, and here to give us an update is NCBA Senior Director of Government Affairs Tanner Beamer. Tanner, how you doing? I'm doing great, Hunter. How are you doing? Doing well. You know, you haven't gotten a lot of sleep in the past few days, and that's largely because of what's been going on in the House. So let's start with Victoria Spartz's amendment attacking the beef checkoff. Tell us what was going on there and everything NCBA was involved in. Yeah, well, Hunter,
0: as you well know, uh, it has been a very interesting, 118th Congress, due solely to the narrow Republican majority and some of the divisions that we've seen uh, just uh, eviscerate this Republican conference. Um, And so obviously, uh, as we approach September 30th, which is the closeout of fiscal year 2023, Congress had to find some way to fund the government. Uh, The House has been very diligent in their efforts to pass all 12 appropriations bills on time under some semblance of what we call regular order. Um, And as a result, we saw a lot of those appropriations bills come to the floor, one of which was the agriculture appropriations bill, uh, which made it to the floor early last week. Um, however, as part of leadership strategy to try and get as many Republicans on board with that legislation as possible, they made a lot of amendments in order, one of which was from Victoria Sparts of Indiana, who's a Republican, uh, that would prohibit federal funds from going to implement checkoff programs. Uh, and that obviously is something that's very concerning to us, despite the fact that there are no taxpayer dollars that are used to implement checkoffs all monies used to implement those commodity promotion and research programs, including the staff time by USDA personnel to oversee them, are entirely funded by the checkoffs themselves. So the amendment didn't have a lot of teeth, but this is very closely to what we've been talking extensively about this year, which is the Opportunities for Fairness and Farming Act, or the OFF Act, which is, um, of course, a, a project of radical animal rights groups and their allies, both on Capitol Hill and uh, in some of the other non-governmental organizations as well. Well, we were very fortunate. We worked together with uh, our state affiliate partners who answered the call to action uh, and also a bunch of other national and state level agriculture groups to defeat that amendment. Uh, not only did that amendment go down, it went down in stunning bipartisan fashion. I think that the final vote count was 49 to 377, uh, which is a pretty good margin of victory for something like this.
1: You know, a lot of the groups that are pushing for this amendment, those radical animal rights groups, were just dumping lots of money into spiffy ad campaigns. They were paying get their press releases posted places. How did NCBA respond? How are our tactics different? You know, for one thing, you know, a lot of these groups, and you, you hit the nail on the head, right? Groups like
0: the Humane Society of the United States and ASPCA, they have budgets that completely dwarf our ability to push back on them. Uh, but what we have that they don't is an active grassroots network. Uh, it, and the opposite of grassroots is AstroTurf, right? And you would saw these groups attempting to AstroTurf their way to getting what they want out of this appropriations process, when an action our grassroots responded. Uh, we asked our members directly to call their members of Congress and over 1,600 letters went up to members of Congress and their staff within 24 hours telling them that farmers and ranchers overwhelmingly support checkoffs and that Congress should keep their nose out of our business. Um, and that's one of the main reasons why we were successful. Uh, that and our uh, ability to mobilize not just the cattle industry, but all of agriculture as well uh, in defense of some of these really critical research
1: and promotions tools. So, Tanner, you mentioned that this is an amendment to the Agriculture Appropriations Bill. What's the status of that legislation now? So, it's very interesting, actually. So, last week, uh, the AgriPropes
0: Bill was not the only one of the 12 appropriations bills that were considered. There were three other ones considered in addition to that, including uh, the Pentagon Funding Bill, which, of course, keeps the military and personnel at the Pentagon uh, funded. Uh, it was the only appropriations bill that failed um, uh, last week of the four that were considered, and a lot Lot of the reason for that is because there were a lot of farm state Republicans that were rightly concerned by some of the drastic cuts that were made to uh, the FDA budget through some of these amendments that were brought by far-right members of Congress. You know, th- These would have uh, instituted cuts to programs like MAP-FMD that our producers utilize, uh, not to mention uh, a, a really aggressive rollback of funding for the Commodity Futures Trading Commission in a lot of their oversight of the derivatives market, which I think is very important now, especially as digital assets are coming to uh, control more of the of the time that the regulators at CFTC spend in these markets when they also need to be tending to some of the more traditional agricultural energy markets, you know things like that. Um, so it was very interesting to see that legislation fail on the floor, especially since it was the only one uh, of the appropriations bills that failed. Um, and unfortunately, that means they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and come up with some sort of legislation that can be either that can get to that magic number of 218 votes. Uh, And that's going to be pretty challenging, I think, as long as uh, there's a lot of these hardline Republicans. You also have to remember, just from a macro political perspective, that the agriculture bill also includes the Food and Drug Administration. There was a lot of debate over access to uh, women's health care in this discussion. And that, I think, is one of the main reasons why you got absolutely no Democratic crossover to vote for this piece of legislation uh, when it came up in the House.
1: So, Tanner, over the weekend, we were waiting to see if the U.S. government was going to Cut down, and there's some will they, won't they, uh, you know, watching of Congress there. Walk us through what happened, and uh, you know we're not in a shutdown now. So what actually occurred? Uh, Nothing short of a miracle, I would say, Hunter. Um, You know, a lot of us that
0: work in the appropriation space in Washington, regardless of what industry we happen to be associated with, uh, we're watching the the just the massive differences between where the House wanted to go and where the Senate wanted to go, and then you throw the White House in on that too. Uh, And we were just uh, convinced that we were careening towards an inevitable government shutdown. Uh, But uh, Kevin McCarthy pulled a rabbit out of the proverbial hat. Uh, about midday on uh, Saturday, which was the last day before uh, a government shutdown, and ended up passing a clean 45-day continuing resolution, which funds the government at last year's spending levels. Um, And it did end up passing the House. It it only passed because uh, Democrats helped it get over the finish line, Um, but that that legislation cruised through the Senate uh, later that day and was signed by the president, which means that we are now looking at November 17th as the day when we need to have something figured out. I know that the House would prefer uh, to have all 12 of their appropriations bills through the floor uh, so that they can conference with the Senate and get a full uh, full year appropriation done. But you know, again, there's just a lot of difference between where the House wants to be in terms of spending levels and where the Senate wants to be. The other two things that come into play here is the House really wants to make sure that they get some sort of border security done through appropriations. Uh, and that's going to be a, probably a non-starter in the democratically controlled Senate. Likewise, in the Senate. There's a strong bipartisan coalition of senators that insist upon including some additional money to aid Ukraine in their war against Russia. And that's going to be a very interesting sticking point for House Republicans, particularly, again, those on the far right who don't want to see another dime go to uh, Ukraine aid. There's still a lot uh, of of work that needs to be done in order to get to a place where we get some sort of an omnibus appropriations bill or at least omnibus style bill that's going to be able to pass both chambers and get the president's signature. Um, Um, And barring that, uh, the government's going to shut down unless we get another short term stopgap spending bill, much like we did over the weekend. So it's been a little bit since the last government
1: shutdown. Remind us what happens during a government shutdown.
0: So obviously, we run out of money, and all of those federal programs that require direct appropriations from Congress cease to function until they get another appropriation, right? Things that are going to be excluded from that are things that are funded with user fees. So think uh, uh, FSIS inspectors on site or uh, uh, beef graders that. That are in those packing plants. Those are programs that we don't expect to be uh, affected or disrupted from a government shutdown. On the other hand, programs that producers rely heavily upon like uh, FSA services, those FSA local offices would be shut down uh, in the event of a lapse in appropriations. Similarly, uh, we rely heavily upon the information that is reported out of USDA through mandatory price reporting or livestock mandatory reporting. And we would anticipate based on what USDA told us they were going to do in the event the government shut down over the weekend, we would expect to see LMR stop reporting, which would be hugely problematic for us uh, because a lot of that information is like the root of what we've been trying to accomplish on market transparency over the last several years. Uh, Not to mention the fact that uh, LMR is relied upon heavily in pricing cattle on certain formulas and grids. So that would have been absolutely devastating to our producers. We're hoping that we can avoid a situation like that in the future. And we really need to reiterate to this USDA the importance of keeping those informa- those reports timely and regularly publicized.
1: Now, as I understand it, there is a silver lining from that continuing resolution that's keeping the government funded, and that's the passage of a ADUFA, the Animal Drug User Fee Act. Tell us a little bit about this and why it's a priority for NCBA. Yeah, so the Animal Drug User Fee Act is, is just that. It, it creates
0: uh, using some of those user fees from getting those drugs approved and implemented. Uh, it goes into, uh, you know, basically allowing FDA to oversee some of those distributions. Uh, and obviously, there have been a lot of conversations over the last several weeks and several months I guess I should say about how we go about getting a DoFA reauthorized in such a divided Congress. Um, In the event that that particular statute were to expire you would see a lot of those positions over at FDA become vacant because there's not a funding source there to pay those employees and that would have had really dire consequences uh, particularly for veterinarians and those in the animal health side of our industry. Getting a clean reauthorization for five years gives us us that extra degree of certainty, it allows us the opportunity to go in and have some of these conversations with FDA about these animal drug products that we use on a regular basis and ensure that there's no disruption to the system.
1: So we temporarily got a reprieve from a government shutdown. What happens next?
0: Well, over the next 45 days, we're going to have to figure out if there's a way that we can find some agreement uh, at a time when agreement seems very, very difficult to achieve. I, I think that we also cannot ignore the fact that some on the far right, including Congressman Matt Gates from Florida uh, is very disappointed with uh, the results of this continuing resolution and is most likely going to bring up a motion to remove Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. Uh, If that happens, and I think I can say with pretty high confidence it's going to happen sometime in the next 45 days, that will grind all progress in Washington to a halt while the House of Representatives deals with this procedural nightmare that really is of no value to the American people. And so uh, our priority is going to be making sure that Congress knows that farmers and ranchers uh, support checkoffs and we should keep that harmful legislation uh, outside the scope of Congress and also reiterating the importance of actually funding the United States Department of Agriculture, the Department of Transportation, the Department of the Interior, these critical federal agencies that our producers interact with on a daily basis.
1: Well, Tanner, thanks so much for the update. You bet. Thanks, Hunter.
0: This has been another episode of Beltway Beat. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.